Hello, I'm Phil Farrow, Chief Meteorologist at WSBN-TV in South Florida, and this is Weather or Not. In this issue, we go inside a hurricane, but not with a flying drone or a NOAA high-altitude recon plane, not even a hurricane hunter. Instead, we glide in with a sail drone, a kind of surfboard with a sail packed with high-tech instruments to study the inner workings of a hurricane. Meteorologist Vivian Gonzalez brought you the exclusive on this technology a few episodes back, and now she finds out how it performed with Hurricane Sam. On this episode of Weather or Not, we bring in Dr. Jun Zhang, scientist at NOAA's Atlantic Oceanographic and Meteorological Lab in Miami. He is also part of the Hurricane Research Division and University of Miami, and he is here to talk about the video captured from Hurricane Sam using sail drones. Sail drones are a new tool hurricane forecasters can utilize during a tropical threat. They were used during Hurricane Sam. How did it perform? Here's Vivian Gonzalez. Thank you so much for joining us and for the opportunity to have you in our podcast. This is new territory to all of us in the weather office. It's kind of neat that we can explore this new outlet. There are a lot of people that don't even watch uh, television, but they like to listen to a podcast on their way into work or on their time off or while they're at the gym. And, and we've been getting a lot of feedback from uh, listeners, not only locally, but globally too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I really would love to get your perspective on what is the magnitude of this milestone? The fact that a sail drone was able to capture these impressive images of such a powerful storm in the middle of the ocean that didn't even impact any land areas directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was excited actually when I saw that video and the image taken by sail drones, marrying, directly marrying you know, the wave condition. You know, it's like 30, 40 feet waves. And also with this, all this wave break, breaking waves, white cap coverage, Oh, it was amazing. I mean, you can also you can also see the wind blowing. You know the kind of like the wind direction from those images is is. You know, I'm a hurricane hunter. I flew many hurricanes. I was inside Hurricane Sam actually on P3 aircraft. So so I was inside that four. I flew four times, four flights for Sam. So the and also I studied the boundary layer processes, air interaction. So that's my research. So I, I'm, that's, that's why I'm part of the sail drone project. And so I was, I'm excited to see this type of data. You know, the, this is the world record uh, for uh, in situ platform, you know, the, for a pilot platform like buoy sail drones to be directly underneath a hurricane, category four hurricane. So, so the, we directly mirror data in the hurricane eye wall, a major hurricane eye wall. I think this is, this is exciting. The first time, the first time, um, the world and, record, I think, yeah. And it's incredible how the structure of this sail drone was able to withstand a hurricane like Sam as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I was a little bit surprised, like, you know, the for so, sail drones can survive in a, in a major hurricane, you know, at near the air interface. So we tested this sail drone. This is a special designed sail drone. It's a special wing that could sustain hurricane force. 
So we tested it in one of the winter storm mission last year near you know west of California in the, in the Pacific Ocean. So so we we measured up to hurricane force winds like 30 meters per second. But this time the sail drone in Hurricane Sam it actually measured surface winds up to you know I think one mini sustained wind 40 meters per second. It's like 80 knots. And also for the wind gusts, it measured 55 or 56 meters per second is like 110 knots. And also the sailors not only measure winds, but also measure temperature, humidity, also wave information. It measures, you know, when they collect those wave image, it also measures the wave height, the wave period, the wave spectra in the direction. So exactly has sensors measuring the waves. That's why I know what exactly the wave height. You know, it's like, a, I think the highest got a probably 40 feet, 30 to 40 feet wow. waves. It also measures the upper ocean parameters, like upper ocean, like salinity and some other parameters in the ocean. So it's, it's, it measures different parameters that are important for studying the, the processes that are not important for hurricane intensity change. So we, we try to understand the phys- physical processes near the air's interface. You know, we want to find the key processes that will be related to the hurricane intensity. And I know that there were five drones sailing around the Atlantic Basin. Now, how do you plan which one to send straight into the eye of a storm? You know, for observation, it depends on luck, right? But, but we did a research. So before the season, we have a team working with, you know, the... Atlantic Oceanographic and Meteorological Laboratory colleagues, Greg Foles, and also uh, Gustavo Gauni. And also we work with, uh, collaborate with PMEL, is a Pacific Marine Environmental Lab. So Perfect. we collaborate with uh, scientists and oceanographers. I'm a meteorologist, but most of the team members, they are ocean. Yeah, you have oceanographers, you have different experts in different areas. Yeah. Yeah, So. So before we uh, deploy those fire drones, we look at the history of the hurricane tracks of the past at least 10 years. So we plot all the hurricane tracks in the past 10 to 20 or maybe 100 years. And we, we looked at the locations, the regions that has the, so the hurricanes most frequently occur in those regions. So we chose those regions. We deploy the drones, for instance, that's why we deploy like two, I, th- I believe two south of Puerto Rico and, you know, one or two north of Puerto Rico and one, the other one near the, uh, the Florida coast, a little bit east of Florida coast. We chose those areas that have the higher chance to uh, encounter a hurricane. That's why the, the, I think this year we got, before Sam, we got Hurricane Grace, Hurricanes Grace and Henry, but the storm was about maybe 100 kilometers away from the sail room. So we collected data with wind speed up to tropical storm force, like 34 knots. But for Sam was actually, I mean, I really say luckily, but we don't want hurricane hit, you know, land. But with Hurricane Sam just directly passed one of the sail room. So the, the eye, eye wall, actually, that's amazing. So and it is, was a strong storm, yeah. And is it true a scientist could log into a portal and change the coordinates of a drone and send it basically somewhere else or reroute it somewhere else? Um, yes, kind of the, the way, for instance, I like Rick Foles and I are the mission managers. 
So we work with the serum company. They have a pilots, so one or two pilots. So we basically kind of communicate with them, and we 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 kind of when the storm come, we would look at the satellite image, the data model, and we kind of communicate with them and ask them or kind of like tell them where we really want the serums to move, and then they will pilot that drone to that location. So kind of, I mean, in real time, the route. Uh, or the potential track of the drones can be uh, planned and kind of uh, designed. Yeah, we work in real time. You know, they, we can adjust the track. We can make changes. Yes. So there's a number of data sensors with these drones, like radar equipment, high resolution cameras, which we obviously got amazing images from Hurricane Sam that monitor ocean currents, wind speeds, uh, sunlight radiation, sea, air temperatures, relative humidity, you name it. Now, this data that's coming in, can anyone access it? Yes, actually. So for me, like for a mission manager and also the, our scientist or our team member, there are certain, you know, small number of people can access the Seodon's portal like me. So we can see the time series, the parameters you mentioned temperature, humidity, winds, and other prime wave. And I, I, I believe even at the real time, or even right after, you know, there may be a time lag. So all this data will be put into uh, ERDAP, you know, the a data website. So, so other uh, scientists can also access the data. So basically, even in real time, at least they can see the track and also the data from certain parameters. So we build uh, at the, uh, our lab, Atlantic Oceanography and Meteorological Lab, the PHOD, the Physical Oceanography Division, they have a website called Ocean Viewer. So they actually, so you can, real time, you can see the sail drone track relative, even with the hurricane image, you know, like a, you can see the exact location of the sail drone in real time. Okay, so I would like for you to describe where this data is going. For example, like the process of receiving that data and how it's used to put a forecast package together. There are uh, three types of uh, applications, maybe even four types. So the first one, the real-time data uh, through GTS for the real-time data, for instance, the winds, uh-huh. uh, data would be sent through GTS to the operational centers. The operational center, for instance, the forecasters, if they saw the winds, right, the real-time winds, 40 meters per second, they would know exactly that's how strong the storm is. They can use the data, they can combine the data with other type of aircraft, other, you know, the data from ships, other platforms, they can combine all this information to determine the current hurricane intensity. So it's kind of like a help the forecasters to better forecast the real-time intensity or determine the real-time intensity. The second application is, this data through the GTS or other platforms can be sent to the operation centers. And then this data will be assimilated into hurricane models, you know, the operational models. Mm-hmm. So the, for instance, the sea surface temperature data, the temperature humidity, or even ocean parameters, if the models have the capability to assimilate this data, so this data will help the models to create the initial condition of the storm. So basically, the data simulation helps the model to represent, to better represent the hurricane structure of, at that time. And then this initial hurricane structure will be used 
you know, to, to run this model to give a future forecast. So the initial condition of this model is very important in terms of the hurricane forecast. So this data through data simulation can help improve the, uh, you know, the representation of a hurricane a structure is especially near the air-sea interface. So basically, for instance, the surface wind condition, mm -hmm. the temperature humidity condition, the hurricane uh, structure at the initial time better than without the data. And then this will, this is a, not one way to improve the hurricane forecast. And can you tell us about the unmanned systems operations program and obviously the effort that's being made to collect all sorts of environmental data? I, I believe this program was established last year. Yeah, there's a UXS program. It's like an uncrewed system, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think eventually the long-term goal is to provide this, you know, the... Um, this high technology, real real time, uh, uncrewed, you know, even anchor aircraft, anchor sail drone, you know, like it's the kind of the, the this type of data for uh, operational use. So that's the kind of the long term goal. So our project just started to test this type of capability. So we just started this project. Oh, I mean, this is actually the first time we deploy sail drones in hurricane conditions. So the we just started. We want to evaluate if. Uh, the sensors would survive in hurricane conditions and how, what are the frequencies of data can be transferred in real time and how can we improve different types of, of, you know, the technologies. But the long-term goal is to transfer our research products into operations. And aside from the sail drones, there are other tools that are also being deployed to get readings on different levels. Can you describe what those other tools are? Yeah, like uh, for instance, I'm a hurricane hunter. So I flew hurricanes for more than 10 years. So, so I mean, I with the P3 aircraft, we flew into the storm. We have different types of instruments. We have Doppler radar that provides three dimensional winds in a hurricane from the, all the way, not, not near the surface, this is like, mm -hmm maybe 150 meters or 500 meters all the way up to near the top of the chopper post. So, so that's provide the 3D structure of a, a storm wind structure. We also have the step frequency microwave radiometer. That's a remote sensing platform that mirrors surface winds. I mean, it's kind of, and also we, we have drop sounds. We throw, we release drop wind sounds into the hurricane. So that measures the vertical uh, structure of temperature, humidity, winds, pressure below the aircraft. And we also drop ocean expandables. It's called an AXBT. It's got ocean that measures the temperature, sometimes salinity of the ocean profile from the sea surface down to 500 meters. And the data will be sent in real time. Um, and we also have uh, the, some, you know, the, the uh, scanning radar altimeter mirrors the wave information from the aircraft measurements. And also scientists and professors, you know, engineer lab, they design, we have the, the buoys, right? The buoy, mm -hmm. if they encounter a hurricane that provides the near surface uh, temperature, humidity, you know, wind information too. So the, although with the low response and also their satellite observation. So we could, we have, we, try to all kinds of observations, try to monitor hurricane, try to understand their structure and how this hurricane structure related to hurricane intensity and why they intensify. 
in this scenario or different scenario. You know, the, we, we're trying to really understand how the storm develop in different types of environments and make the model better represents the hurricane structure and all these processes in the model so that we improve the forecast. And what kind of information has been gathered from the ocean gliders? I believe that they're being used this year. Yeah, so the ocean glider is also uncrewed system, but kind of mirrors the ocean structure. So the glider can be monitored to go down. I'm not a glider expert, but the physical oceanography division, that's their, they're the PIs. So that glider can be driven down, I believe, at least reach 500 meters. So they can mer- sample the ocean condition, you know, ocean structure, like salinity, temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the glider can uh, stay in the ocean for a couple months, I think. So it's kind of like, the, you know, they, they can collect long, relatively long-term observations. So we try actually for the Sildon project, like our PIs, like uh, Gustavo Goni, they are the PI with gliders. So we try to collect co-located glider and sail room observations. For instance, the, the, the glider was kind of piloted underneath sail room. So, and also we try to chase, maybe not in the hurricane condition. I mean, at least during the winter storm, we try to use a pilot of the sail rooms to chase the, the glider to let it stay within 10 kilometer distance so that we got a co-located observations. Kind of like this, all these instruments, you know, the aircraft data, Sailrooms and glider, if we can collect co-located observations, then we can study how the ocean impacts the atmosphere, you know, air sea fluxes, and how would that feed back to the hurricane atmospheric structure and how these you know properties like downdrafts affect the sea surface temperature and how the sea surface temperature interacts with the ocean. You know, like the winds force ocean and the, the sea surface will cool. The cooling would, would provide, you know, the less energy and how this energy will inter- interact the convection. So it's kind of multi-scale processes. We try to understand how these multi-scale processes are linked to hurricane intensity change. So that's kind of the goal. It's, yeah. very, it's very interesting how both are being used at the same time. Now, there's obviously an original intent to collect this type of data. Now, there's usually a byproduct to the data that's being collected. Have you thought about other specific applications that you can use this for or how it can impact industry and how those industries can also benefit from all of this information? My research is mostly on turbulence and the boundary layer processes, okay. you know, the, the process near the air interface, interface. So one of the application, I would think, is kind of the, you know, the wind engineering, you know, the, um, for instance, I mean, in our lab, we, we, we didn't study much of this process. We have wind turbines, right, near the coast. If a hurricane come, you know, it's kind of wind energy, how not only we, we may use the hurricane to, to, to generate wind energy, but also we want to understand how much this wind turbine, for instance, at 150 meter altitude or 200 meter altitude, where the wind turbine located, can they survive this hurricane force? You know, like a, how, how the hurricane turbulence, but, but because we have this sail room data or um, crude aircraft data, so we can directly measure the wind stress, how much the wind stress is. And, made, and, and from this aircraft and sail room data, we can feedback to the engineer, the companies or the community, 
to let them know, you know, so this data would help them to better design those wind turbines. And also for aviation uh, safety, I think purposes, you know, the, we can, our knowledge would feed back to the aviation kind of the uh, community or company large the turbulent stress or, you know, which kind of, you know, how strong a turbulent they could encounter in a hurricane environment. You know, they also be used for the, uh, the marine, what's the word? It kind of like, you know, the, 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 near the ports area, you know, the safeguard, you know, they would determine when the storm come, they would determine what they close this location, you know, the port or, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. for uh, commercial boats, for the, you know, the cargo boats, you know, like, a, so when would they decide to, to eva- evacuate? Correct. Or to close this their system, you know, kind of kind of like a, our research or our real time data maybe help them to make a better decision to save life, save uh, you know the uh, maybe money, you know, like to to, to, of to yeah yeah. So like kind of the, make a better decision in terms of their decision of evacuation, uh, you know the the operation of their. So uh, the we know that climate change is evident. And we know that this warming has had a cause and effect with changing global weather patterns. Uh, but intensity forecasting is one of those very difficult sciences. In recent years, understanding the physical process of rapid intensification has been challenging in putting these forecasts together. So do you think that sail drones can help bridge this gap? Yeah, global warming is a hot topic, and uh, I know. I mean, yeah, yeah. My research is mostly on smaller scale processes, like a wider scale. Mm-hmm. You know, the climate scale. Personally, I I, I never studied that before, but but I think the you know our observations. You know, if we keep collecting data, you know, to understand uh, these physical processes, I think some of our understanding can help improve the global model. You know, the, in the global model, the large-scale model, they also needs to parameterize or, you know, just represents the physical process of hurricane correctly. So in the large scale, so if our research result can be, if successful, can be incorporated into the global models, that would help to make their forecast more accurate so that they could predict, you know, how many number of storms within 100 years, how strong those storms would be. I think in that sense, I think our product would help, you know, to better understand how this global warming is linked to the hurricane, hurricane numbers and also the, how strong they are. So it's kind of like a indirectly or directly affects that. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the global warming is, is a very, very uh, interesting and hot topic. So, so I mean, I, I think, yeah, yeah. There's like people debating, even for my colleagues. So some people believe global warming affects hurricanes, but some people didn't believe. But, but I mean, the, in terms of the research, I mean, based on my knowledge, I'm not a climate person. So the, based on my understanding- I'm not a like, climate expert either. <laughs> yeah, so- There's like, definitely uh, different views about that, whether this is uh, something uh, that's, that's really happening or whether this is just uh, a cycle that the earth is undergoing too. But mm-hmm. obviously, the warming we know has mm-hmm. played a role. Or there's some correlation in the reason why these hurricanes are growing so quickly. Yeah, like, you know, when we study, we deploy sail drones in hurricanes because we want to understand how much energy can be 
input into a storm. Because, you know, why we want to study that? Because the hurricane or a storm is fueled by the ocean. So through evaporation, right. so that energy would go to support hurricane development, convection development. But we don't know exactly know what, what are the exact number? What, how much was per meter square of this energy is input into a hurricane in the category five? You know, it really has, you know, we have measurements for near hurricane force winds, but we don't have direct measurements of those fluxes for major hurricanes. So basically the, and, and for this, why they, you know, when people talk about global warming is linked to the hurricane intensity, because the global warming, the sea surface temperature is one of the key parameters in the hurricane intensity theory. So the warmer the, the sea surface temperature, the more energy supposedly to be input into the model, into the uh, storm, the higher the SST, even all other uh, conditions are the same, the storm will be stronger. So that's why, you know, when, when we see this sea surface temperature increases even by 0.2 Celsius degree, right? Like within maybe 50 years or 100 years or 0.5. So that amount of energy is huge. You know, if this is real, like this temperature keep increasing, the storm will get stronger. I, th I heard, I mean, it's not my theory, not my, my research. Okay. I think people kind of find the future hurricane is getting stronger or maybe less, maybe less numbers, but much stronger. But there's like also some other group of scientists they were trying to correlate the number of hurricane with sea surface temperature. They found, you know, the, the number increased. But then there's my colleague, Chris Lancy, for instance, he's at a National Hurricane Center now. He used to be at a hurricane receive. They look at data from 1950 to now, for instance, they found a correlation. But then when he took the data back to 1900, then he found, you know, even back to the really early, early days, the surface temp maybe is also warmer, you know, like he found a wave. Maybe he said, this is a nature, you know, it's, like, it's not the global warming. So, so I think there's still a debate. So I, I that's right. But it's an interesting topic. I think the, the air-sea interaction physics, if we really find something key processes that are important for hurricane intensity, so this knowledge can be used in the hurricane global models. That would help potentially improve the, you know, the global model forecast and maybe for the understanding of global warming and hurricane activities. And I would say my final question to you would be, what do you hope comes out of this program that you're working with sail drones? I mentioned that, you know, two applications, you know, we want to provide real-time intensity estimates for hurricane centers. We provide high quality data that can be assimilated into the model to help the forecast track intensity. And the thirdly, we are going to analyze those data. So the, the students may be, I think, I believe that can be collected back. So we can, I mean, we, we have the real-time data that be transferred, but there's some data can be also even copied back from the children itself. So analyze the data to better understand the physical processes and identify key processes that are important for work intensity. At the same time, for those high frequency data, we can develop a new physical equation or parameterization, you know, that, you know, how this air sea flux transfer based on the observation, we develop a new physics package for hurricane models to improve the hurricane model physics and also improve the hurricane forecasts. So there's kind of like three ways, real-time data, data simulation, and the physical understanding. Yeah, so kind of like a, through different ways to improve the forecasts. 
So that's kind of the long-term goal. I mean, this is certainly a groundbreaking mission, really exciting that NOAA's Atlantic Oceanographic and Meteorological Laboratory this year It has been adding more tools to their arsenal by deploying these uncrewed systems to collect all of this data. And yes, you're right. The understanding behind the energy exchange between hurricanes and the ocean is super important and vital in improving forecast models and therefore hurricane intensity forecast, which is the ultimate goal. So Yes, telling us how strong and how quickly hurricanes can grow can certainly save lives and property and hopefully help local officials make the decisions that they need a lot sooner with the information that's being collected now. So really exciting news. I'm really happy that you were able to join us and give me the opportunity to talk to you about this. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's kind of based on my knowledge. And also, you know, I feel excited about this project. And also, I believe we can make good use of this data to improve, you know, hurricane models, improve the forecast. I thank you so much for the opportunity. Originally in July, I had spoken to Andy Zygweed from Uh SailDrone about the launch of Mm SailDrone. And apparently there was one that was being deployed from Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, yeah early yeah. August. Yeah. So I wanted to, to get his feel for the project. And now that we were able to get images from Sam, I figured that it would be good to talk to somebody from NOAA and how, yeah. you know, this information is being applied and used. Yeah, so great. Yeah, just like the Gainesville deployment or my colleague, uh, Greg Foles went. Yeah, we, we only sent one people, but I know he's very excited. Yeah, the, the, I'm glad you talked to Andy and yeah, so it's actually at that time, you know, we hope because the first year experiment, we hope we can collect some data in hurricanes. So we are, we're lucky, I think, to get some, you know, amazing data in Hurricane Sam. So the, you know, in Hurricane Grace and Her- I flew them too. I was on P3s. So we were able to uh, flew the P3 over the zero. So we drop, drop songs and XPTs close to the zero. For the Sam case, uh, I, we came back earlier, the aircraft crew. Otherwise, because we came back September 30th, but the sailors kind of meet Sam uh, later. Otherwise, we could, uh, we designed, you know, the we would fly P3 over that sailors. We, we can direct the, the aircraft exactly very close to the sailors. And then we draw expandables, so we can co-locate the data. So that's the, yeah, the, it's, it's amazing. So. Yeah, because I we ended our aircraft mission slightly earlier, so it's too far away. I was at Sinkroy for a week. I was. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was in the middle of the ocean, um, yeah, yeah, far away Sinkroy. from land areas too. And what a monster of a storm too! Because I remember talking mm-hmm. to Andy, and he mm-hmm. mentioned that I think that they tested the sail drone with winds up to Cat Three status. So mm-hmm. the fact that this was able to withstand a Cat oh, yeah. Four. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, this is uh, amazing. Like, uh, I mean, I think the sailor is still operating even now, probably. So, like, uh, the, the, if I think eventually the, the company would collect that sailor back and they probably would, would test those to see if the sensors, you know, how I think they are going to do some research or, or I mean, the evaluation. So, but this is uh, definitely is uh, not unexpected, but it's very 
successful so far for the for this year. The first year actually we and this it is, worked. This is huge in in the future of forecasting hurricanes. So I'm excited to hear what comes out next year. Because oh, yeah, I know yeah. I know we all learn lessons from the first year and then we we make the second year and the year after that a, a whole lot better. Exactly. And also maybe we'll try, you know, some other ocean basin, you know, like Gulf of Mexico, you know, the yeah, this year we tested over Atlantic because the Gulf of Mexico have those loop currents, uh-huh. some strong currents. So we we're not sure if they can stay there. You know, the sailors could stay, but but maybe in the future we'll test, uh, you know, other yeah ocean basin. Hopefully, it's gonna succeed. And it will. If it succeeded now, it, I'm sure it will. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have you on our podcast. I really appreciate it. The best app from the best weather team is right here. Seven's Hurricane Tracker app. Get the latest forecast models. My Seven weather blog. And of course, Seven's cone on your phone. It's yours free from the Storm Station 7 News. Next week on Weather or Not, the UK is hosting the 26th UN Climate Change Conference of the Parties, or COP26 for short, held in Glasgow. We go international, speaking with climate activists in Scotland as well as here at home. That's in our next issue, which drops November 2nd. If you have a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast or have a comment, please send me an email at pfarrow at wsvn.com. Also, it would be really nice if you would subscribe to our podcast. You can always follow us on Twitter and Facebook at 7Weather and, of course, live on air at WSVN7. Thanks for joining us. Please tell your friends about us. We need all the listeners we can get. Until next time, I'm Chief Meteorologist Phil Farrell.